Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Uh, I have a word for you, Renika, and I, I, um, I felt like the Lord said that you are a mouthpiece, and I felt like the Lord said that there is a fire that is shut up in your bones, that you're not going to be able to contain it much longer. And I really felt like the Lord says that he has not given you the mantle of a weeping prophet. I felt this very strong. He's not given you the mantle of a weeping prophet, but he's given you the mantle of a joyful prophet. And that you would truly go even into, and I, I, I heard him say that she'll know what it is to embody the verse that says that she'll be in the world and not of the world. And I felt like the Lord was saying that um, you're going to know what it is to know truth, to have one foot in truth, and to have one foot in fact, and be able to actually speak into circumstances and prophesy hope into them and prophesy life into them, not just in the church world, not just in ministry areas, but in the world, that you would truly know what it is to actually be in the world and be of another dimension at the same time. So God, we just release that over Renika. God, I thank you that this is a woman who has a mantle of joy. She is a joyful prophet, even over a generation, even over a race. Father, I thank you that she is a joyful prophet over everyone that she is around, God. And I thank you, Father, that her sphere is not as small as she thinks. The Father is expanding and it's broadening and God is going to continue and continue and continue because this is a voice that will reach the nations of the earth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Deborah, can I give you a word? Sure, she says. I felt like the Lord says that he's, oh, are you getting your thing out? All right. 30 seconds. All right. I felt like the Lord says that he's put a heavy tongue in your mouth um, and that he's given you words to say. And you know that you know that you have words to say. Your family knows that you have words to say. But I felt like the Lord is saying that he's even put an anointing upon your tongue. And if you'll allow it, he's even going to begin to train you in how to, um, it's almost hear the words that are coming out of your mouth before, before they come out of your mouth. And he's going to begin to train you in what to say and what not to say because he's put a very prophetic tongue even in your mouth. And I even saw that you're going to be one who goes, into very high uh, influential places. Um, I, I really see business areas that you're going to even go into um not just uh, low level, but you're going to go into high level management and begin to speak words of wisdom and words of knowledge that are really going to even shift the culture of organizations. And I really feel like these are these are big organizations, you know, take the process that the Lord has for you. He might have it for you much sooner than you think, um, but take that process. But I really feel like you're going to find yourself in situations. You're going to say, this is what I was trained for. And that's when you'll know to release. Whew. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Okay. So um, the message that I have today, I got it when I was going to sleep, and so I typed it out on my phone, and I've never had a message come together this fast or this effortlessly, so I said, okay, Lord, this must be it. But I felt like today's message was going to be called um, Keeping the Main Thing the Main Thing, and that is, a, a, if you know of Stephen Covey, he's a leadership um, speaker, author. He's um, big in, in those sectors. But he says, the main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. 
And so today I felt like that was the message, keeping the main thing the main thing. And um, Pastor Joel just said about endless glory and the, the whole worship time this morning. But um, so the, the first, that leads into my message. Um, isn't it good God speaks to us all? So I had gotten a vision or a picture in worship years ago, um, and it was of me running, which I knew it was the Lord. So um, this picture of me running, and it was like I was running into endless glory. It was like I was running into this, I, words can't describe it because it, it wasn't a natural thing, but like running into a, a cloud almost of glory, and I knew that it would never, ever end. As long as I kept running, it would never end. But I was also very aware that I was running and that I was making a choice to run. So I knew that as long as I kept running, there was never an end to this. There was never an end to glory. But I was also very aware in the same moment that if it was my choice and I could sit down at any moment, but I also knew in that moment that I never would. And so it's this endless glory that he has for us that will never stop. I'm going to cry today. Just cry with me. So, <laughs> but it's the anointing. It's because it's thick. It's not just emotions. But um, so we can have as much of God as we want. As long as we keep running, it'll never, ever run out. It'll never end. And really, I know that this is the Lord because I'm a very practical person. Normally, my messages are very practical. They're very down to earth because as much as I love hearing about the great, high, lofty, deep theological things, as much as I love, some of you, y'all are seers. Diana's a big seer. She's like, I saw, did you see the birds? They were flying in three. And did you know? And as much as I love that, I don't, don't, that's not normally my vein. I'm very like practical. I need to know how to be a good person. I need to know how to handle, like how to have conflict health, healthy, healthily. So to me, I'm usually in a very practical vein. That's my default mode is to assess and solve, figure things out. But you know what? The natural and the supernatural were never supposed to be separated. So we, all of those things are absolutely important. They're all of them. Is that recording me? Okay. <laughs> I was like, my face is this close. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So no matter the processes that we go through, the things in life, the practical things, the main thing, that was funny. Yeah, threw everybody off. <laughs> I thought they're going to see my pores. <laughs> but no matter what those practical things are and are important, and I'll continue to love talking about them, um, the most important thing has to stay the most important thing. The main thing has to stay the main thing. And so... We were created to worship. Did you know this? We'll either worship God or we're worshiping something else. We will worship no matter what. That's what we were created for. That's what we were born for. And so if we're worshiping anything other than God, where is my worship? And I think that's a good self-check. That's a good self-check for all of us to have. If I'm in fear, where's my worship? If I'm in lack, where's my worship? If I'm gossiping, where's my worship? If I'm complaining, where's my worship? Always keeping it it consciously in the fore of our mind, where is my worship? What is the main thing in my life? And I'm convinced that you cannot, you cannot encounter the presence of God and not be changed. You can't. It's not possible. Second Corinthians 3.18. I don't have a PowerPoint because I knew I was going to zoom through these. But Second Corinthians 3.18 says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Spirit of the Lord. In plain text, bottom line, what that's saying is his, his presence, his glory changes me. I can't look at him and not be changed. So 
the verse right before that says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So what's the bottom line? As long as I stay in the spirit of the Lord, as long as I stay present and stay hosting his presence, I will always be journeying into freedom. So do you want freedom? All right, stay in his spirit. Host his presence always. You'll never stop finding it. So we know that God is present everywhere, right? The Bible says in Psalms, where can I go to run from his presence? Where can I go to hide? He's everywhere. But when I become actually aware, when my awareness is that he's in the room, suddenly my countenance changes, my atmosphere changes, because I can't be in the same room with him and know it and not be different and not be changed. My, my consciousness, my awareness has to always be that he is in the room, not just that he's present everywhere that I go, but he's right here with me. He is right in this room with me. And just because we aren't there yet doesn't mean we can't get there. That's actually, that actually the Lord spoke to me. That was kind of what started my late night message note taking. He said, just because you aren't there yet doesn't mean you can't get there. There's always, 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 always and forevermore, always more. <laughs> so God has been teaching me a lot about the armor of God. And this passage is in Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. So I'm going to zoom through. You can turn there if you want. Um, but it's Ephesians 6. And it starts out, verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, I have to stop here because it's important for me to say that I'm not a person who puts a lot of emphasis on the devil and his, his I don't like to focus on him because the enemy is already under our feet. Can you like stomp your feet? You just squished the devil. You squashed him. Everywhere you go, we crush him. And I love that. It's real fun when you think about it that way. If you're like a person who like likes beating things up, to Danielle, the highlight of any movie is a fist fight. So if you are like that, just think, everywhere I go, I'm crushing the enemy under my feet. But the Bible says to put on your armor to protect yourself against the wiles of the devil. So every once in a while, maybe you've experienced this, maybe you haven't, but you'll actually feel like a demonic presence in the room. And we've been given the authority to cast out demons, right? That's part of our job description is to cast out demons. So every once in a while, we feel something very blatant and we know it's the enemy and, and we can attack it that way. But you know what the, the wiles of the enemy look like most of the time? What? No? They look like people. You guys are the ones we do life with, right? Like, not just you in the room, but like human beings. You're the ones we usually have the issues with. We are, me included. I'm not a flawless person, ask anyone. So if I'm irritated with a person, I'll criticize them and complain about them. That just took my attention off of God and what God thinks about them. If I'm miserable inside, I'll find it a way to make it your fault. Every time. I will blame it on you because it can't possibly be me. So if I don't have my needs met, listen to Pastor Joel's needs messages, but if I don't have my needs met, I will try to make you fill a need that you were never created to fill. It all has to do with people. It all looks like people. So sometimes the wiles of the enemy are just a thought, which, yes, she said thoughts. It's just a moment, is a word, is an action. Somebody did something, somebody triggered something inside of me that caused me to no longer focus on who he is, on his presence, on his, um, his best for that person, for me, for the planet, the kingdom of God. My focus was just moved off of that. 
So he said, in Ephesians, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil are anything that take our attention off of God. Very next verse, verse 12, it says, this is how I know people are our greatest, our greatest um, distractions. Verse 12 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. He puts it right there. Flesh and blood are not our problem. Say, I do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principal, you can stop repeating. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Our battles are not fought against people, and therefore they can't be won or lost against people. Our battles are won when the main thing stays the main thing. When his presence, when his power, when his reality in my life be, remains the main thing at all times. And this is a practice. This is something we have to continually build habits of practicing because he's always there. But is he always there? <laughs> so verse 13 says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having, your, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with you, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. If you grew up in, in church, you probably had the suit of armor and you learned all of this. If not, study this passage. This armor is here and it's here for every one of us. He lists the different pieces that cover us. So, so we know that our battles are not with people. They're with the spiritual realm. And remember, the devil's already defeated. He's already under your feet. But God has given us a full armor of defense against the attacks that do come. Because it's the enemy's sole job to distract you. Kill, steal, and destroy from your life. Lie to you. Nothing he says is true. His whole goal is to get your focus off of him. So I'm convinced that any issues that we have with people, this is like a big statement, any issues that we have with people can be solved when we know that we're fully equipped and God has given us the equipment. Bless you. So now am I saying, just to be clear, am I saying that every person that bothers you has an evil spirit? Everybody say no. No, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We are redeemed, sanctified, all of those things. But I'm talking about when those attacks do come, the wiles of the devil that come to distract us from who he is and who we are. So what happens when you make a choice to equip yourself right away, first thing, every day, with the equipment that he's given you? We can fully love, we can be powerful people who are healthy and strong because we prepared ourselves ahead of time and the adversary can't take our sound mind, it can't take our peace, our faith, our hope, etc. Or in other words, we don't hand it over to him. We have to give it up. He can't just come and take it. So putting on the armor of God, this sounds to me, it sounds really tactical. I'm not like a war, I, like she gets excited about the beating people up. I, I'll just like, give me some flowers and we can say world peace and I'll be good. But, so putting on the armor of God sounds like super tactical to me. And I don't think when I wake up in the morning, oh, okay, let me prepare for war. <laughs> like that is just not where my mind goes. But let me ask you a question. Every day when you wake up, 
If you did not every single day put on clothes and walk outside, do you think like you would be vulnerable? <laughs> yes, I hope so. I hope you feel that way. Every single day, we do a very practical, very natural thing to pre prepare ourselves, to cover ourselves, to put on our clothes. So why would we not also wake up and put on our spiritual clothes? Just as we put on natural clothes, if we did not do that, we'd be very vulnerable and it would not be good for us. Why would we not also put on the armor that God has given us every single day? It's a habit just like putting on clothes. When you're two, you might not have that habit down yet. Especially little boys, they really don't get it sometimes. But as we grow, as we mature, it's a very natural habit that we create. So why would we not also focus to train ourselves to put on the armor of God every single day? It's a habit that has to be learned. Not just how, we're all guilty of this. We pull out our armor when we feel attacked. But if we already have it on, how much of that can we prevent? Because we already know. We might feel the pressure against us, but we already know that we're equipped, so we can't have our peace, we can't have our sound mind, all of those things. So, what if every single day we put on our armor of God and we said, this is what this can look like. Said, God, you are the peace that leads me. You've got my feet. My thoughts and emotions are secure because I apply your salvation in my mind. This is my interpretation of how to put on the armor of God. My thoughts and emotions are secure because I've got the helmet of salvation. My, I apply, and actually the definition of that, that word, of the helmet of salvation, is applying his salvation to our mind. You hold me together with your truth, belt of truth. I'm not a victim because you've put a sword of your spirit in my hand, and therefore I am equipped for everything that I might face. My faith propels me. It says to my shield of faith to keep any, uh, any darts of the enemy from, from attacking me. What does that mean? I believe that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. Anything that tries to violate that, it stopped because my shield of faith is before me. And I put on the breastplate of righteousness because my right standing with God, this got me, my right standing with God is what protects my heart. So how do we keep the main thing the main thing? Every day, we make it a practice. I put on the armor of God. However you need to word that, if you are a tactical person, make it tactical. If you're a practical, natural person, make it that way. But put it on every single day. Build that habit. And it's not because we're afraid of war. It's not because we're needing to go out to battle. No, we're putting on the clothes that he's given us to put on. It's just as natural as that. So how do we keep the main thing the main thing? We, put on, we take up the equipment that he's given us to put on. Now, this was something, this is off my notes, something last week I was, talk, I was in children's church, and I said, you know, there are a few things that God won't do. And they all said, sin, right? He won't sin. Lie. No, he can't lie. But there's something else that he won't do. He will not force himself on you. He is always there always, but he will not force himself on you. It's a choice. I get to love him back. I get to choose him back. So just, just like that, he's not going to 
put it on you. We have to put it on ourselves. We have to prepare ourselves with the armor, with the equipment that he's given to us because he won't force it onto us. Now, another way to keep the main thing the main thing. Some of you will get excited when I say the F word. Are you ready? You're curious now. <laughs> and a way to keep the main thing to, the main thing is to eat the food that he's put on the end, or that he's put before us. We have to eat the food that he's prepared for us. Now you know where my brain is, not where you might have thought it was. So we keep the main thing the main thing by eating the food that he set before us. The Bible is our daily bread. I know this is a church and everybody knows these things and I know these things are very obvious, but I really feel an importance in raising an awareness of this and pushing us even into this even more. We must be a people who read our Bible every day. I would say don't feel convicted, but honestly, if you feel convicted, lean into it. We have to be a people who feed on the words that he says. Now, to be very honest with you, because I'm a practical person and I don't always see the, the symbolisms and things, I read a lot of the Bible and I just say, God, this makes no sense. Read, like, if you read some of it, like some of the prophets and things that they do and say, I say, God, I don't, I don't get this. And because I'm not a researcher, like some of you, that's a challenge. Like, I'm going to find out what this means. I'm just not. So I just say, God, I don't get it. So unless I'm studying and preparing, like, for a message, something that's coming to people, usually I just say, God, I don't understand. But the, the key is, just because you put something in your mouth and you don't like the taste of it right away, doesn't mean you have to spit it out and never try it again. Because he's always speaking, his words are always there, and they're always feeding us. They're always life to us. And that's another choice. We have to choose to actually pick up the bread that he's put, in the, put before us and eat it. We have to actually put it in our body, allow us, not our body, our spirit, and allow it to digest and be the nutrients that we need for life. So, like I said, I know we all know this. But I just feel like it's really important for us. Because if we want more of him, we have to respond to what he's already given to us. And if you're already doing that, okay, say, God, okay, what does that look like for me? Do I need to do something differently? Whatever it is, just respond to his leading. But bottom line, put the food in your mouth and eat it. If that is a big chunk, if you like to eat, if you're like a, a buffet person and you like need to binge, right? Amen. So if you need to eat a lot all at once and that's how you, you receive the word, do that. But if you're a person who like, you know, just nibbles all day long, then put a verse in, read a verse and chew on it all day long. Just get it in you somehow. So, okay, enough of that. So there's a principle in the kingdom, this goes along with hunger. There's a principle in the kingdom that doesn't make sense to our natural mind, which most kingdom principles don't really make sense to our natural minds. But... Bill Johnson said it this way. He said, in the natural, when you eat, you become full. In the kingdom, the more you eat, the hungrier you become. So feeding on the word of God has to be intentional, and it has to become the food that we can't live without. Not because we feel hungry, but because we are hungry, and we're going to keep eating it, keep putting it in. So just like unless you're fasting, you're not going to go a day without eating, right? Unless you're sick, which we won't go there. But... Feeding on the word has to be a habit that is formed. And again, it's optional. It's our choice. So every day, I must absolutely need him. And now this, I have to crave him. 
This isn't because I'm starving. This is not because I'm in lack. And it's not because I'm far away, and it's not because I'm worthless. Some people think, I need God in order to be worth anything. I'm not going to preach that sermon today. But saying that I'm worthless would be an insult to my creator. I'm absolutely not saying that. I was made, you were made in the image and likeness of God. You were chosen in him before the foundations of the world. You were absolutely loved by God. You were adopted into his family, chosen before the foundation of the world. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have the mind of Christ. Say, I have the mind of Christ. So think about this. If you ever want to know what God's thinking, what do you do? You think. You have a thought with the Spirit. You say, God, what are you thinking? Because my mind, I have the mind of Christ. Okay, again, not going into that message. Chris Valentin preached that one better. So I was born of an incorruptible seed of the word of God that lives and abides forever. This verse was a life verse for me for a while because I was, uh, I was really afraid I was going to mess it up. And God says, you were born of an incorruptible seed. That means you can't mess it up. So in saying that we need God, it's not because I'm worthless. It's because I want him. It's because there's always more of him. It's because I know who I am in God, and I know that there's always more for me because that endless glory. It's always there for him. So I don't need him because I lack anything. I need him because I hang on every word that he says. We know um, Deuteronomy and Matthew say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We live by every word that comes out of his mouth. So in the kingdom, I'm not starving because I'm empty. I'm starving because I'm full, and there's still more. There's still more that I can have. Isaiah 50, 55.1 says, Come, all you, all, you, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. So the simple question is, are you hungry spiritually? Are you thirsty? Come, eat, drink. I want to be a person who has him and still wants him. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So everybody say, for they will be filled. We aren't desperate for him because he's withholding something from us. In Psalms, he says, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Say, no good thing. Say, I'm lacking nothing. So we aren't desperate because we're lacking. We're desperate because we're hungry, and there's always more. So for all of eternity, I want to be recognizing this. There is always more, and I always want more. Even though I have it, I want more. And in Revelation, Revelation 4, it talks about these creatures that are before the throne of God, and they're, um, they're just constantly, it says day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He said, and do I want to read it? Yeah. So verses 9 through 11, it says, when, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before, before the throne, saying, You are worthy, Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will, they exist, and they were created. So to me, what that means is for all of eternity, 
I'll, I'll be before the Father. And the Father's saying, I choose you. And I say, I choose you back. And that never, ever, ever, ever ends. And that's my choice. I choose you. I choose you. No matter what, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I feel, no matter what's happening, I choose you. When things are good, when things are bad, when things are ugly, I choose you. And it's our choice. And we get to love him back. And we get to give everything we are back to him. Because he first loved us. Because he first gave all. So now I have a choice to say, I choose you back. I love you back. One-sided love isn't really love, right? It's not the fullness of love. But we get to love him back. And I don't have to wait until heaven to do that. I get to join a host, a heavenly host, who are also choosing him back. So a couple of weeks ago, I was teaching the kids back in Children's Church on worship. And I was teaching them the Hebrew words for worship. Now, how many of you as like a... First grader super interested in Hebrew words and definitions. So we were talking about the definitions. We were talking about the different expressions of worship. And they were engaged. They were. But then I stopped and I said, okay, guys, I just need to tell you something. I said, I grew up in the church like you. Because most of the kids back there have grown up in church. My parents had a key to the place, which meant I was here more than anyone. More than you. Not anyone. But I was here a lot. And I said, Going to church was not always exciting, and I didn't get it, and I didn't know. And so I would count the ceiling tiles, which I forget how many, and I would pick the fuzz off the chairs, and I don't know how they weren't completely bald. But I was telling this to the kids. I said, this was how I was as a kid in church, because I was here a lot, and I didn't always get what was going on. And I said to them, I said, but then there came moments where I would feel the Spirit. I would feel Jesus pull on me. And I knew I had a choice in those moments. I had a choice if I was going to just ignore it because my friends were watching. And friends are important. And what they think is important, right? As a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 5-year-old. So I had a choice. Am I going to just play it cool? Or am I going to choose him because he matters more than what anybody else thinks? Am I going to choose him and push back into that pulling And respond to that pulling because it mattered more than anything else in the whole world. And I remember those moments because they are what shapes your life. When he pulls, we can't ever stop feeling the pulling of his spirit. And when he pulls, we'll always have a choice to push back into it. It's this push-pull tension of us coming together and leaning into each other and choosing each other back forever and ever. And the more I respond to that... The more I recognize them, the more, I, uh, the more frequent those moments are, the more it's not an every once in a while thing. It's an, okay, you're pushing or you're pulling, I'm pushing all the time. So when we recognize those moments, no, if they can happen to a toddler, they can happen to a grown-up. And maybe you haven't felt that tangibly. So just say, okay, God, help me to become aware when you're pulling. Because sometimes we think, oh, it has to be like, like I'm reaching out and pulling you. It's not always something tangible. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But I just challenge you, if, if you want that, he will find a way. Yeah. Don't worry about what it's going to look like or how it's going to feel. Just if you want it, he'll come. He'll come. So push back into the moments when he's pulling you.
I want to be a person. I want us to be a people, but I can only choose for myself. I want to be so constantly hungry for his presence that I don't let a day go by where I feel him. I know he's there. Whether I feel him tangibly or I just know that he's there. And I say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I choose you. I choose you. I choose you. I choose you. So, again, my passion, my purpose statement is very practical. Raising up healthy people to uh, lead well. But you know what? All of those practical things come secondary to the main thing. And what is the main thing? My proof is Matthew 6, It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So I don't know who first said this. I just heard it somewhere. They said, first we'll fall in love, then we'll change the world. Let's keep first things first. And so today I felt like I needed to speak into us as a people because I feel revival in my bones. <laughs> I feel it. And if you don't feel it, that's okay. It doesn't make you any ounce less spiritual than me. It's just something I feel, so I'm expressing it. So I felt like I needed to speak into us as a people that we are people who are always hungry for him. And if that's something that you've not felt, but you want it, you want to give it a try, or you felt it a long time ago and you haven't felt it since, I feel like now is the moment for us to say, God, I choose you. Have your way. I choose you. Now, he will not force himself on you. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to start doing something weird, shaking, yelling, all those things. But if that happens, we can still choose him. It's still our choice. So I felt like I needed to speak into those who felt like they're in a dry place. Or they haven't felt the presence of God in that way. Or they're just struggling. It's like, God, how do I focus on the spiritual things when I just can't? The natural is so much. It's so weighing me down. And that's key acknowledges when you're in that place. But I felt like I needed to pray over us. So if you would like, just close your eyes. I felt like I needed to speak over you to hunger and to thirst. You were born. You were created with a spirit that longs to worship. It was created to worship. It was created to hunger. So I speak to your spirits now, and I speak hunger, hunger, thirst, long, run, wake up, breathe again. Thank you, Jesus. God, I ask that you would fill up every space. Father, I ask that in your kindness, you would reveal yourself in a tangible way to each one. God, whatever that looks like between you and your son or your daughter. Father, I thank you that in your kindness, when we ask, you'll answer. You'll meet us. You'll fill us. When we hunger and thirst, we will be filled. It's your promise to us. So I speak life into you. In Jesus' name. And I just want to read. Um, I had posted this on Facebook earlier this week. Um, but I don't ever, I don't, not ever, but I don't often go back and read the prophetic words that we have over the church. But I felt to do this, and I came across this one, and it really was powerful to me. I felt like I needed to share it today. So this is a prophetic word from Prophet Dale Mass last year. And it says, now just receive this. Receive it in your spirit. It says, I just heard thunder in my spirit. I heard thunder. And this is a question. Do you feel the mountain tremble? Do you know what that means? 
the Lord is in his holy mountain. And the Lord says, my presence is going to shake this mountain. And when people come into this house, I'm going to shake things off of them. And I'm going to shake some things into them. And there's going to be a great shaking. And on that day, when the wind came in, like the sound of a rushing wind, the whole room was shaken. And the Lord said, there's a shaking coming, and there's a shaking to life. And God says, I am shaking the dream, and I'm waking it up to another dimension. And you know how you shake a child to wake him up? And God said, I'm shaking some dreams inside of you, inside of this house. And the Lord said, you're going to wake up. You're going to wake up and dream. You're going to wake up the dream, and the dream is going to start to cry, and it's going to start to move, and it's going to start to live. And he said, I don't know why, but I feel like there's something supernaturally. It just seemed like the sanctuary was twice as big. And I just released the favor of heaven. I released the shaking of heaven. And I say this, you're coming into a dimension of his spirit where what was hard becomes easy. So God, I speak that over each and every one here. What was hard, any struggle to feel you, to get to you in our minds, in whatever way, we just speak that struggle is no more. God, I thank you, Father, that you're right here. You're right here responding to us. And this is a people who is hungry for you, who you are. We are hungry. We have you, and we still want you. So, Father, I speak to the fire in every spirit to burn brighter, to burn higher, to burn louder. Father, I thank you that it truly will be a fire that is shut up in our bones that we can no longer contain. I just prophesy that over this house. We can no longer contain it because we've submitted ourselves to you. We've allowed you to fan the flames within us. And, God, we respond because this is a house of revival. This is a house of revivalists. We will say yes to you. We will choose you. Father, I thank you for your presence in this place. And I feel like there's some, I feel like there's some specifically who are young and the Lord's pulling and he says, will you push back? Don't worry about what it's going to look like. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. He's saying, will you push back? Father, I thank you for revival in the youngest to the oldest, not one left behind. God, I declare that, not one left behind. Father, I thank you for the more that you have for us, for filling us to overflowing. God, and I thank you that the world around us will know. The world around us will see, they will feel, they will know, and they'll want the more that we have. And God, I thank you because we're so full that we're overflowing. We have more to give. So God, we just prophesy everywhere that these feet go, we're not only crushing the enemy, but we're taking ground for your kingdom. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your grace over each and every one. Thank you that today is a new day. Today is a day where the things that were hard become easy. Thank you, Jesus. I don't usually do this, but if I just feel like if you, um, we're going to dismiss, but if you want more, um, just come up and I'd like to lay hands on you just very quickly. Um, but if you have to leave, go ahead. Um, our healing teams, could I have our healing teams come? If there's anybody experiencing healing in there, um, could you guys just stand maybe over in that side?
there's anybody who needs physical healing in their body, um, these people are trained to know how to um, pray for you. And so you can just come on up and have them lay hands on you. Uh, if anybody else, if you want more, just come on up. I'm just going to lay hands on you really quickly. Everybody else, you are dismissed. We love you very much, Father. We bless them in Jesus' name.